Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, founder of Seeking Excellence. And so wanted to share this podcast today. This is from a an event that I did a few months ago, back in late fall, um, with a couple other great guys, with uh, Shannon McGurk and Marek uh, Rudak. And uh, it was my talk from it. So it was a series of three talks. And uh, I just wanted to share my talk from it. It was one of my faves that I did. It was a, a men's event that we did. And, and so I felt like it was you know, good to share today on, on St. Joseph's feast day. Um, so it was geared towards men was the, the whole audience was male, but I do think that it's valuable, valuable message for both men and women. So I hope that you enjoy and hope you have a great St. Joseph feast day. It's time to party it up. We can eat meat today, which is a gift. And, uh, just St. Joseph, it's the year of St. Joseph, St. Joseph's the man. And I think that he's really the man to, to solve the problem that we have in the church of just falling, uh, just a sharp decrease in masculinity and just a decrease of the presence of men, uh, especially good men in general. So we entrust that intention to him today and always. And so with that, I wanted to share this message for men. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this, and you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Green light go, I love it. Great, well thank you again everybody for coming today. It's great to see you, great to be with you. Uh, and so I wanna give you just a quick, quick little introduction of myself. And so I am Nathan Crankfield. I was born and raised in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was baptized Lutheran. I went to Methodist preschool, started Catholic school in kindergarten, and then I became the first Catholic in my family when I was 13 in eighth grade. And so from there, uh, I went on to Mount St. Mary's University where I did Army ROTC. I commissioned as an infantry officer two days before I graduated, and then went down to Fort Benning, Georgia, where I went to airborne school, did my infantry training, went to ranger school, and then went up to, uh, as Mark alluded to, uh, the 82nd Airborne Division in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where Mark Council served, which is awesome. I was the first brigade there for four or for three years. I deployed to Afghanistan once, and then I got out. I went to work at Dynamic Catholic for a year, the Dynamic Catholic Institute. I served as a parish consultant to two dioceses in Kansas City and Austin, Texas. And now I work as a resident director at Benedictine College and, and founded my own ministry called Seeking Excellence. So my I'm focusing on the, the no portion of the be, no, do. And so I love this. I'm very, very passionate about this, so I'm very excited. And you guys, if you saw the outline that we had, 
my, my title was, do you have what it takes? And if you know anything, if you've ever studied masculinity, if you've ever stud, studied the masculine soul, read books like Wild at Heart, uh, any John Eldridge or um, anything like that, you know that this, this is a question that's written on every man's heart. It's, it's written in our soul. It's, do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? And I think it's something we all want to know. <clears throat> One of the things I think is an issue with our society today is that we have a lot of arrogance, right? We, we feel a lot of entitlement. And I think that this is something that often gets attributed to, to millennials, but I don't think it's unique to us. I think that uh, it's present in us without a doubt, but I don't think it's unique to us. I think it's across many generations. Um, but I think as we get more and more comfortable in our lifestyles that we get more and more uh, entitled to things, right? And so one of the things I think we feel we're entitled to is, is being great, is being uh, good enough, is being, um, you know, we, like I, I'm always interested, I, I write a lot or talk a lot about memento mori and understanding the importance of preparing for your death. And one of the mistakes and constant lies that we have out in the world, you know, is that every time somebody dies, you hear somebody say, oh, they're in a better place now. We, we assume canonization, we assume heaven for everybody, which is emotionally gratifying, right, in the moment. But it does, I believe, over time start to seep into our brains that like everybody goes to heaven and everything that we do, everybody's going to be good. And so I think that that starts to get into our minds in a deep way and starts to really impact the way we live our lives and the way that we strive for excellence, the way that we strive for greatness in our own lives. And so I think we have this assumption. I, I see it all the time with kids I went to high school with, you know, my friends, my family. It's like every, every time you see somebody announce like a, uh, you know, a pregnancy announcement, right? It doesn't matter what, you know, I, I just had a friend of mine from high school, one of the first guy that I ever smoked weed with. Um, you know, partied with a lot. He never really did anything, never really went to school, um, didn't care about his grades in high school, like kind of like just moved out of his parents' house like three months ago, I'm pretty sure. And he just had a baby. And it's amazing to me how much, you know, and not to knock this guy or just judge him for those actions, those decisions. But, you know, it's amazing to me how every time there's a pregnancy announcement, everybody says, you're going to be the best father. You're going to be such a great father. We have this assumption of they're going to be the best wife in the world. You're going to be the best husband in the world. You're going to be the best father. And it's like, that's not how it works. You can look out and see, based on the wounds of, of children, the people that are out walking around, it's amazing how many, you know, number one dad t-shirts there are out there, how many people, you know, posting on Father's Day and Mother's Day, how great their parents are. And then you look at the state of the world. That math just simply does not add up, right? And so what that tells me is that we have a disconnect between what it takes to actually be great and, and where we're currently at. And we're not noticing that. And I think the biggest danger is that people don't recognize the gap. People aren't willing to realize like, hey, you know, maybe I'm not quite as hot as I think I am. Maybe I'm not quite as awesome as I think I am. And no, no doubt, there's a lot of guys out there, I think, who, who need to understand that you, you know, you have inherent value, you are loved, you are wanted, you're good enough in a certain sense, right? You have dignity, you have worth. There's no doubt about that. I'm not trying to just engage you and break you down. I promise there's some optimism and hope in this message. But I think it's so important for us to recognize that we can't be arrogant, assuming that we're already the men that we're called to be. We can't assume that we're already going to be, you know, the best version of ourselves that we can be. And so that's really, really important. One thing I think people love about soldiers, Marines, Navy SEALs, right? When you think about people who are in, you know, some of these elite units in the, in the military, is, or, or, and I don't know if people recognize this is what they love about them, but this is what I think a lot of people love about them. A, a soldier has a unique ability to be told to shut the F up and not say a word back to anybody, right? And go about their day like everything's fine and be pissed off and get chewed out and be forced to suffer and get punished for something that wasn't even their fault. And at the same time, in the same day, can go out and not take crap from anybody, 
right? It's this amazing ability to be an absolute killer, but also be humble enough to know when to shut up and just take orders and do what you're told to do, even if that's take out the trash or clean the bathrooms, whatever it is. And so what does that look like in our own lives? It's this incredible ability to balance this humility with strength and courage, right? We have to, we have to find the balance of how can I be strong and confident and to lead as a man and be the man I'm called to be while also saying, hey, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. I need help from other men. I need the Lord in my life and I need to be constantly developing myself. And that's what the no portion of be no do is all about. It's all about learning how to, to be an expert in your craft and what it is that you do, right? And so for us as men, I wanna talk about a little bit what that looks like, but I, I still want you guys to understand just the importance of why we need to do that, right? Why do we need to be you know, constantly forming ourselves? Why do we need to be constantly developing and growing? And so one of the things that I, I love in the military, and I talk about this line all the time, and I know Mark and Shannon remember this, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. You don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your training. We always think that war heroes or people that are out there doing great things rise to the occasion, right? There's all this adrenaline and you're feeling great and you just automatically, you know, you just, you're such a hero. There's so much valor and courage that you go out and do this courageous act. That's not how it works. That's not how it works on the battlefield. That's not how it works on the football field. It's not how it works in the corporate office. It's not how it works anywhere. That's not how life goes. You have, you only, you fall to the level of your training. And that's why in the military, we train the same thing over and over and over and over and over again until you can't get it wrong, right? You don't, you don't train until you can get something right once you train until you can't get it wrong. Because when you're talking about life and death, you want to be pretty sure that you can do what you're supposed to do, right? Like you want to make sure that your people are trained and ready to go. And so that's really important. What we don't realize enough times as men is that we are dealing with life and death all the time. This battle of spiritual warfare, this battle for the culture that you see going on right now, this battle for the church, religious freedoms, it is very, very real. And not only is it life and death here on earth, it's eternal life and eternal death. And so you have to understand how important your role is as a man in this battle, in this war that we're fighting. And so I constantly, you know, have this like tension. You can feel my passion and frustration from when I feel like, and I get this way with myself too, when I feel like men or I feel like myself are not carrying their own weight. And I think that that is it's incredibly important for us to recognize what our role is in this fight, in this battle, because when your weight is not being carried, just like when, when you know, Mark and I, when we were in ranger school, like if you're not carrying your rucksack up the mountain, if you're not carrying your pack up the mountain, somebody else has to carry it. We're not going to just leave it behind. It still has to get done. So when you're not carrying your weight spiritually in the world, when you're not carrying your weight in your family, when you're not carrying your weight in your schoolwork, your friend group, whatever it is, somebody else has to carry that weight or else the mission just ultimately fails. And so you have to understand how important that is. You don't rise to the occasion. You're going to fall to the level of your training. And so what does your level of your training look like? How are you developing yourself to really understand? Formation is not, you know, formation for excellence is not natural, right? Our natural tendency is to drift towards mediocrity. You're not going to naturally just fall into greatness. That's not how that happens. You know this because if you watch sports or if you're into the arts, if you're into music, whatever it might be, nobody accidentally becomes the best in the world at whatever they're doing. You have to grind. You have to work very, very hard at it. And that's why, you know, repetition is so important. And as you go, you know, as you're starting to develop yourself in these things. And so I want to talk about, you know, at, at Seeking Excellence, we talk about seven pillars of excellence and seven pillars is absurd and it's a lot. And it's overwhelming and it's impossible for anybody but me to remember, um, you know, which is why we write them down. But the seven pillars of excellence and the reason why we created these things is because this and the reason why I want to share them with you 
it's because I believe, you know, if, if you ever heard of uh, Jocko Willink, the, the popular Navy SEAL who does a lot of speaking and writing and stuff like that, he wrote a great book called Extreme Ownership. Uh, Jordan Peterson wrote a great book called 12 Rules for Life. What both of them hit on big time that I love is they talk about taking responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your ish. And I believe that these seven pillars are the areas that you have to take responsibility for. So they are mental, emotional, physical, financial, professional, social, and spiritual. Your spiritual life is the most important aspect of your life, right? It's the beginning, the end, and everything in between. And it's going to go on forever. But I believe that those other six areas, when you neglect to take care of your finances, your relationships, your leadership, your mental health, your mental toughness, your physical fitness, your nutrition, uh, your finances, whatever it might be, when you fail to take care of those things, those are the things that create problems in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, in your personal life, whatever, that actually will be what often knocks you off of your relationship with God, knocks you off the path that the Lord has set you on. And so it's important to understand those seven areas. Now I'm going to break down some practical stuff that you can do that's much simpler than focusing on all seven of those. But I just want you to understand that that has been my perspective of when it talks about knowing, right? So one of the one of the tough things when you're talking about being a, a military leader, you know, when you're a platoon leader, as an infantry platoon leader, there is a there's so much stuff you have to know. It's literally unbelievable, right? There's so many things you have to know. I remember, you know, Mark, I remember once, man, I, I did the math of somebody who graduates from college that does not go to West Point or ROTC. If they want to become an infantry officer, it can take anywhere from like 10 to 18 months to complete all the training that you have to do, especially airborne. If you're gonna be an airborne infantry officer, you're talking about ranger school, the basic training, AIT, your basic infantry training, you know, all this stuff, it is weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, months and months to, to complete that. Why? Because there's so many things you have to know it, to be an excellent infantry officer. And why do we want you to know all these things? Because you're dealing with life and death. So why in our lives do we feel like, oh, I can be a great man and just, I have, I don't have to have any knowledge of budgeting or how to run my family's finances. I can be a great man and I can just completely ignore my physical health. I can be a great man and I can just completely ignore prayer and I can go to mass sometimes. It's like, it doesn't work like that. I couldn't be an infantry officer and just completely ignore marksmanship. Can't be an airborne infantry officer and completely ignore how to jump out of planes, right? You can't just ignore some of these areas and expect you're gonna be able to do your job. And so you have to learn and take responsibility for what are all these different areas so that you can take ownership of it and so that you can do your job and you can do it well. You wanna earn the reputation as a su subject matter expert in those areas, right? And so as best you can, you have to be constantly growing, constantly improving. And this is something that we expect of, you know, NCOs in the army, of officers in the army. We want them to be constantly growing, constantly improving. Think about how much, it's amazing to me how, how, how trained and how prepared somebody wants me to be as an infantry officer when, when their son or their daughter is entrusted to your care. Think about how much they want you to be prepared. You know, I just recorded a podcast yesterday with my old battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Kearney, Dan Kearney, um, who I deployed with. And he was an awesome dude, awesome leader, uh, very, very strong leader, very, you know, <laughs> he was something else, very hard on us, but he loved us to death. And the reason why he was so hard on us is because he wanted us to be ready to go to war. And so he took a lot of responsibility and understanding that he had to be able to look into a parent's eyes if their child did not come back from Afghanistan and tell them that he did everything he could to prepare them, to prepare our unit and did everything he could in the moment to do what we were supposed to do and do what we needed to do and to bring them home safely. It's amazing how much, if only we could translate that same passion that you would have if your son or daughter was going to war that you would want that leader, their leader to have going into war if we could develop that same passion for ourselves being ready to lead others in war while we're here on earth. 
and while we go out throughout our lives and, and take responsibility for our ownership as leaders, as leaders in the world, in the church, in the faith, in our families. Because one of the things that's easy about the military is you have a rank on your chest, right? So you get to see, I am a leader. It is clear, right? The people know, they salute you every day. So you kind of, it's kind of hard to forget, right? You can't, you can't forget that you're an officer in the military. It's, it's, it's on your chest, right? People call you, sir, you're getting saluted all the time. The hard part is, and you see a lot of people in the military do this, when you leave, when you take that uniform off, then who are you? Who are you when you lose your rank at, at you know, your job or whatever social structures you're in? Like your real influence, your real leadership is when, when your character is so magnetic to other people that they want to follow you. You take responsibility for the influence and the impact that you have in other people's lives. And you take responsibility in doing the things that you need to do to be prepared to have the positive impact that you need to have in their lives and to be able to help them along the way as well, while also taking care of your own stuff. So another thing that I, I learned while you know doing some research on this with the Be No Do is that we want people to become expert instructors. And so I think that's really important as well, right? So you wanna earn the rep as being a subject matter expert, meaning that you have deep knowledge and deep wisdom in these different areas of life. You want you to be constantly improving in that, but you also have to become an expert in teaching other people how to do those things, right? It's not very beneficial if you're only doing it for yourself. That's not what leadership is. You have to lead by example for sure and not ask anybody to do anything you're not willing to do, but also you have to be able to express to them why is this stuff so important? Why, why do we need to do these things? You know, I think we have a great emphasis. Um, you know, so I think we overutilize sometimes this quote that's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, which I don't know if actually is from him, um, but we always say, you know, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And I think especially as men, we, we use that as an excuse to say, I don't ever need to use words. I don't need to read and learn about theology. I don't need to learn, learn about any of these things because I'm just going to be an example to everybody else. It's like, dude, sometimes evangelization requires some words. You know, a lot of people have questions. And sometimes we think, you know, one of my biggest frustrations with I feel like previous generations of Catholics and not that my generation doesn't do it too, but you know, how many parents I've heard of my friends or students that I've helped or people I've discipled that they ask their parents questions and the, the, the answer is just, I don't know. We just believe that, just believe it. Like, no, that's not sufficient. That's not, you know, it's horrible leadership. Like, sure, there's times where you tell as a parent or as a leader, like, hey, I just need you to do this. And I can't explain to you why right now. But when somebody's having deep soul questions and they're trying to find their purpose and they're trying to, you know, understand God and the church and, and, his, and, and Jesus's teachings, we ought to be putting some of our time into learning how can I best answer those questions for other people. If you're not doing any learning for the sake of teaching other people, then I don't know what you're doing with your time. It doesn't make any sense to me. You're, you're just, you know, spending all your time focusing on you and you're not being as concerned as you should be about the souls of other people. And it doesn't take a lot of, you know, awareness or social, uh, social awareness, or it doesn't take a genius to realize that the world is in trouble. The world needs us to be the best that we can be. There's no, this is not a time for us to slack off for us to take a break. We are definitely losing this battle in the culture. Uh, you know, as far as the, the, the church, I often say that the church is being more influenced by the world than the world is by the church. And that's a problem. And we are the people who can actually make a difference in that. One thing that, another thing that I read uh, learning about this was, kind of refreshing myself about this, is they want soldiers to read the newspaper, to be, you know, learned on history, to understand their weapons, their vehicle, and their equipment. Think about how that applies to our lives. Why do we want them to read the newspaper? Because you want to be aware of current events. You want to know what's going on around you. 
if, you know, the equivalent of that could be for you and your family is knowing how your wife's spirituality is doing, knowing how your sister or your brother or your son or your daughter, how are they doing spiritually? How are they doing mentally or emotionally? Taking the time to invest in what are the, what is the current situation in my environment, in my battle that I'm fighting and the people that I'm leading, how are they actually doing? Knowing the history, you know, of the church, knowing the history of the world, knowing the history of the things that we're trying to not repeat in the world and in America or in the church. And then understanding your weapons, vehicle, and equipment and being an expert on those things, that kind of goes back to what I was just talking about. That's about knowing scripture, knowing how to pray the rosary, knowing, uh, you know, how to do a budget, knowing how to be at least decent, you know, in your nutrition and your fitness and things like that. And so these are my main three things that I want you to think about. So, you know, I talked about the seven pillars. I talked about all these different examples and things like that. These are my, like, and, and I think this is somewhat unique to me, but I think that it is somewhat universal as well. I think it's somewhere in the spectrum on those two things. What makes Nathan Crankfield feel like Nathan Crankfield more than anything else if I'm doing these three things on a consistent basis? If I'm praying, if I'm reading, and if I'm working out. If I'm doing those three things, I feel like I can take on the world. Absolutely. Like I feel like I can crush everything. I'm invincible. <laughs> you know, by the grace of God, I feel like I'm literally invincible. And, and what I learned, you know, in praying and, and just preparing for this talk is that I think what, what, what's great about those three things is if you remember, we have three enemies out there in the world. We have the devil, we have the world, and we have the flesh. And so when I'm praying, I'm fighting against the devil. When I'm reading and I'm growing and I'm learning, I'm learning how to navigate my, my life in the world in a better way, right? If I'm reading, I'm not talking about reading nonsense. I'm not telling you to read Harry Potter. I'm talking about when you're reading John Maxwell leadership books, when you're reading, you know, um, uh, Dave Ramsey financial books, when you're reading books written by the saints and, and good spiritual books that help you to lead your family and understand yourself better. Um, and then when I'm working out, I'm learning how to discipline my flesh. And you're also becoming, you know, more mentally tough. You're, you're learning more about yourself. And so it, it, it's also, you know, a great way to become a constant lifelong learner where you're in your prayer, you're learning about God. When you're reading, you're learning about life and the world and you're learning from other people. And then when you're working out, you're learning about yourself because that's what working out really does do in a big way is it gives you the, the you know, a deeper understanding of yourself, how to push yourself past your limits and how to get, um, you know, just, just to become, you know, take yourself to another level, take yourself to uh, the next level. And so one of the things I want to talk about, you know, working out always reminds me of this. And I love this story. So, uh, you know, one time I was talking to, to a kid's parent that, that, that goes here, one of my students. And the, the parent said, you know, oh, our son's kind of interested in ROTC, but we don't want you to talk to him about it. Because if you do, then he's going to be really excited. And he's going to want to go. You know, he might want to join the army. And we don't want that to happen. And one thing I tell, you know, I didn't say this to them. But I, this it really, really struck me because what I realized is I said, well, I didn't say this to them, but I, I learned later and just kind of reflecting on it because it left a bad taste in my mouth. You ever have like those moments you have exchanges with people and they don't seem, you know, uh, malicious, but you just kind of feel, you kind of feel weird about it. You kind of feel a little funky, right? Like you're kind of like that, that doesn't feel right. And so I was reflecting on it later on, just kind of praying about it. And I was like, you know what I didn't like about that is I said that mom, like she thinks that she loves her son more than my mom loved me. And that was what offended me about it. It was like, why do you think that, you know, you don't want your son to go? Do you think my mom was like, yeah, I want my son to be in the infantry. I want him to jump out of planes and go to Afghanistan. No, believe it or not, my mother was not stoked when I told her that I was gonna do any of those things. And so it's understanding that, uh, what, what is the kind of the root of that? To me, it's what I believe, you know, psychologists, you know, shout out to my man, Matt, psychologists call the, the bystander effect. The bystander effect says that the more people that are around in a crisis or in a situation where somebody needs help, the less likely that person actually is to get help because everybody thinks that somebody else is going to do it. And that's the problem 
you know, that was what I faced with this parent who says, oh, I don't want my son to go to war. It's like, yeah, well, nobody does, but you just have this mindset that somebody else is going to go do it. And that, I think if there's one thing that I think truly has impacted, you know, masculinity in the Catholic church is that everybody has this freaking bystander effect that they think somebody else is going to go do it. I don't need to evangelize my family. Somebody else is going to go do it. I don't need to go pray today. Somebody else is going to go pray for the world today. I don't need to go do this X, Y, or Z. Somebody else is going to go do it. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, the reason why, why men are fat and out of shape and why men don't work out. It's because you think that if world war three was popping off again, they're going to send me. They're not going to send you. So you don't have to, if you have, like, why do you, when you watch the movie 300, you see the Spartans, why was every dude jacked and in shape? It's because there's only, there's only a few hundred of them. You can't afford to have anybody out of shape if there's only a few hundred and you're trying to protect the whole nation. Nobody could be out of shape, right? Everybody's got to be fit and, and everybody's got to be ready to go fight. And so why are there people that are out of shape right now? It's because you, if you, like, that's what I think when I'm like, when you see a, a patriotic man who's out of shape, I'm like, you think that if there's a war and somebody's attacking the nation, I'm going to go. Somebody else is going to go. You don't have to go do it. And somebody else is going to fight that battle for you. And what I'm telling you to be is I want you to be the man that fights your own battles. And the way that you can do that is by practicing these three things and practicing them in a way that's really going to transform your life. And, and so this is my final thought for you. So the main thing I want you to know is that you need to take responsibility, that you're not going to automatically have what it takes, but you do have the potential to be the man that you're called to be and to be a big impact player in your life and your social circles. And what I want you to do now is just think about if you have pen and paper around or just type on your phone, whatever it might be, is write down your minimums. You have to write down and, and commit yourself to minimums in all seven pillars, but I want you to just focus on praying, reading, and working out. And so write down, what are my minimums? How many minutes a day are you willing to commit to praying? It could be as, as little as 10 minutes a day. I don't think anything less than 10 minutes is even worthwhile. Um, because you're not going to really get anything out of it. It's kind of like working out for three minutes a day. It's not going to do it for you. So what is, you know, a good minimum of prayer for you each day? Reading, you know, I, I use reading as, as an example, but I think it could also be podcasts. It could also be reading blogs or articles or something that's going to actually form you as a man to make you better. What is going to be your minimum for learning? You know, it could be each day, but at least, you know, several days a week, four to five times a week. And the same thing with exercising. You know, I obviously like I'm a meathead to a certain extent, right? Like I take pre-workout and drink protein and bro lift. Like that's my jam, but you don't have to do that. I'm not telling you to deadlift 500 pounds. What I'm telling you is that even if you're, if you're in the stage of life or wherever you're at and you're just going for a, a brisk walk every day, that's great, but get active, get yourself out, get active, do uncomfortable things. If I can't, if I ask you right now, when was the last time you did something hard and you have to think about it, then you have challenged yourself enough lately. And so you really need to be, you know, pushing yourself physically, whether that's just walking and praying the rosary in the cold, you know, tomorrow morning. Um, but think about what, what are your minimums that you can do praying, reading and working out that you can commit to, you know, it's early in the day that you can commit to doing some of those things today. You need to make, take action immediately. We talk about our men of action, but there's a lot of men of inaction in our lives. We set these goals and like to talk about things and then don't actually do them because we don't know how to do them very well, or we're nervous, or we're just not super confident in it yet. The only way you're going to get good at something is doing it. The only way you're going to get good at praying is doing it. Even if you don't like reading, the only way you're going to get good at reading is by doing it. Um, I don't care if you listen to audiobooks, you listen to podcasts, whatever, make it a consistent habit in your life. You have the time to do these things. You have the ability to get good at them and you just need to make it a priority. And I promise you, it'll transform your life. Give it 30 days of doing those things on a regular basis. If your life isn't completely different at the end of them, you can call me, I'll, I'll give you uh, your money back. All right, so <laughs> there you go. With that, I'm gonna pass over to my man, Mark. Uh, and he's gonna, he's gonna rap to you about, about doing.